chronic to collapse town and into now that is this is are you talking rem reme the comprehensive and con- in- <laughs> encyclopedic compendium of all things rem this is good rock and roll um music welcome to the show How's everyone doing out there? Hey, everybody. Yeah, buddy. Everybody. Hey, everybody. Everybody. Um, Welcome to the show. Uh, Big episode today. This is a a patented slowing it down episode. Um, Oh, did you go out and get it patented? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Oh, wow. uh, Well, it's patent pending. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, right, of so, course, you're, it's but the pending. Pa- the paperwork is in. Don't you any motherfuckers try to do your own slowing it down episodes because we got it fucking patented. I'm so glad that you got that patent attorney so we could patent the slowing it down episodes. He's super expensive, but yeah, su- totally worth it. I mean, it was like $500,000. An hour. An hour, yeah, and he worked... You know, obviously he worked, guess how long he worked? An hour and five minutes just oh, yeah. so he could, just so he could bill us for the extra 500 gay. Yeah. I like to call that a rounding error, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I wish he'd round down instead of round it up. Um, but we have a- You want to uh, bra- brown down with him? <laughs> I want to brown down with our- pet. Is that what you said? <laughs> Attorney, no. I did not say it, but I, now I do want to say it. Um Welcome to the show. We have we have a patented slowing it down episode coming up a little later. We have a wonderful guest, um, a musician whose work has meant a lot to me, and who reached out, who wanted to do the show, and uh, ha- has some great stories about interacting with uh, the titular Harian. Harian. Ben Lee will be on the show a little later. Exciting, isn't it? And he will also be playing a, 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 a certain wonderful song as well. So that's uh, wait. Very what do you ex- mean? Uh, of, uh, think of all the wonderful songs. Okay, I Got just thought of all of them. Yes. Okay. Now think of like pretend that I'm doing a card trick and I'm fanning them out. Pick one from the middle of the deck. Um. Okay. Here I go. Gonna take this one. Okay. Would it surprise you? to learn that Ben Lee is going to play this song? What? Are you serious? Yeah. Does it match per- It match the one you picked? Yeah, Perfect World by Huey Lewis in the News. <laughs> yes, that's right. He'll be playing. Is this an episode of <laughs> Huey talking Huey Tooey me? I believe so. From back in time to 100 years from now, this is Huey talking Huey, Tui, me, the comprehensive and encyclopedia compendium of all things Huey Lewis and the news. This is good and the heart of rock and roll uh, music. This is Scott. And this is Scott. And um, what's going on in the Huey Lewis camp this week? Well, I was just uh, thinking about that song, Perfect World, because 
Because we're in the middle of uh, essentially the perfect world right now. Everything is going great. I mean, this is perfect. (laughs) I don't know how else to explain it. Remember Um, when you could enjoy songs about golfing and going down on the beach and and not seeming weird? Or going down on a golfer? (laughs) (laughs) Did I say going down on a beach? Yes. (laughs) Uh. Anyway, perfect world. Yeah. I remember that was a pretty big hit. I would have, I would have thought that was like early nineties. It was late eighties. Ladies, hey, late eighties. Hey, late eighties, ladies. Hmm. Well, um, we'll see you next time. Thanks, bye, mm, bye. Not a not uh, that good of a follow up app. <laughs> I don't know. I'm. <laughs> they should have stuck to the one, one and dubious. done. Dubious, dubious brothers, you and me. We should be the dubious brothers. Oh yeah, I love, I love the dubious brothers. Uh, what like they're they're more kind of they're early stuff anyway. Yeah. Def- oh, speaking of the dubious brothers and Michael Whoa. McDonald, um. Christopher Cross was sick recently with COVID-19. I don't know if you saw that. No, I heard about it. I didn't see it. What, uh, how's he how doing? Would you, how would you have seen, like, seen it personally? Is that what you're saying? Well, you said, I don't know if you saw that. And I heard about it from <laughs> Naomi. I didn't see it. So you didn't see Christopher Cross on his sickbed. That's what you're saying? That's right. I heard about it. Yeah, you... We all read the same article about it. You that's what I was trying to say. You I, I, didn't, I didn't I didn't say didn't that I actually it. went to his house and no, looked but, at him. No, but I'm saying I'm saying I didn't even see an article. I heard about it. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to do a bit here. <laughs> all right. In any case, uh Wait, yeah. I think we were each doing our own dead end bit. <laughs> Mine, and, mine was not dead end. Mine had a lot of shelf life. Oh, okay. <laughs> and you shut it down. I shut it down with my dead end bit. With truth. <laughs> um, but yeah, so hopefully he's feeling better. He he had a bad case from what he was saying as well. Yeah, I hope uh, I hope they're all okay. Everyone who, if anyone's sick out there, Jesus Christ, I'm so sorry, and hope you're getting better quickly. I'm, look, I'm going to go further than that. I hope no one ever dies again. Oh, me too. Me too. I hope we just keep creating new babies. And they all, everyone lives forever. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Because you know what would happen then? The earth would get crowded and we would have no choice but to make space stations. Thank you. What are we waiting for? How big does this population have to get before we start making the big space stations that we all want to live on? We all need a space. Every single person should have their own space station. One space station for every family. One space station for each person. (laughs) Um, By the way, I got to introduce you before the show continues too far along um he's coming from his house we're, we're uh, recording this remotely in different i mean we're on the same earth so that's i mean technically yeah, we're in the we're, same place yeah we're all on in the same uh world uh as they say um but uh we we are remote uh from each uh, each other's houses we swapped houses i'm over at adam's uh right now and adam's yep. over at mine 
Um, that's how we're supposed to do this quarantine, right? <laughs> yeah. By the way, you should flush your toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you flush my toilet before I get home? <laughs> do me a favor. The the rule is if it's brown, flush it down. <laughs> I thought it was if it's brown, let it mellow. If it's no. yellow, let it mellow. <laughs> no. If it's yellow, flush it down. If it's brown, let it mellow. <laughs> Did I ever tell you about when um, Tall John loaned Kulap and I his uh, parents' cabin up in Big Bear? And um, right before we left, I took a big dump in his toilet and took a picture of it. <laughs> And then uh, sent him the picture on iPhones, but this was when iPhones were still relatively new and there was some sort of error on iPhones oh, no. where if you weren't getting the right signal, it would send something a bunch of times and like as it tried to get the signal. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so God. He, he just was inundated with pictures of my dump in his toilet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Ah, good stuff. Um, Did but, I ever yeah. talk about the what Ken Marino and I would do to each other on Party Down no. to each other's trailers? No. You what you do is you take a dump in the other person's trailer and leave the bathroom door open and blast the heater. <laughs> <laughs> but see, you would do this to each other, so both of you had terrible, <laughs> terrible trailers. Was, <laughs> like, what is what good is this? Doing it, it once is funny. But by the time you're just doing it to each other every, all day, every day? No, I did it to him. And then his payback was giving me a Folgers coffee can with his dump in it. <laughs> did you actually think it was coffee? Like, hey, thank you so much. Yeah, I, I made a whole pot of coffee. <laughs> Best coffee you ever it had. It's delicious. Um, but I do want to introduce you before we get too far down the road. Uh, he is, of course, um, you know him from such classic films as Step Brothers. And I'm trying to think of another classic film you've done. Um, seven and a Match. Seven and a Match? I'm trying to think of one that... If you stopped at seven and you said you were in seven, I'd be very yes. impressed. But, okay, uh, let's, how about Match, a Match? A match. Hey, here's a here's a here's a something that we should lobby for. Okay, yeah. that movie Seven. You're watching it and you're enjoying yourself and like, wow, Brad Pitt and uh, Morgan Freeman. This is a great movie. Sure. Suddenly, spoiler alert on. By the way, a third halfway through the movie, two thirds of the way through the movie, an actor comes up who is, uh, shall we say, persona non grata at this point. Oh yeah. Why don't we, you know how they did this with uh, all the money in the world. They put Christopher Plummer in there and just like computer put him in on top of Kevin Spacey. And every once in a while he moves around and you can see Kevin Spacey under him kind of is, moving around. Is that, is that true? Yeah. That's so, yeah. No. You gotta, you gotta watch it really slowly. But You can um, see Kevin Spacey like peek out and wave to the camera. <laughs> yes. It's crazy. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going like, why was he waving at the camera during the movie in the first place? But we should lobby to have to replace, have you replace Kevin Spacey in all of his previous movies, like American Beauty and Glenn Gary, Glenn, Glenn, Glenn Ross, Ross, like all of these classic movies that go to lunch. Will you go to lunch? Let's get lunch right now. Let's eat lunch like that. that? Would, yeah. Oh. Oh. Uh, I thought you were asking me to lunch. I was very excited. I haven't been out of the house in a long time. 
No, I was doing that that kick-ass scene from Glengarry and also wondering if you would like to go grab some lunch. I would like to go grab some lunch, but nothing's open. What do you, I mean, where would you like to go? Oh, I know this place that's open. Wait, let me check here. Uh, no, they just closed. Wait, are you talking about your own kitchen? Yeah, it's... They just closed. They just unfortunately, closed. yeah. They, what? What? Naomi closed the door to it. They close at three twenty-four every day, and oh, they open again the next day at three twenty. Oh, your your kitchen's only open for four minutes a day. Four minutes, and if you and it's not even breakfast, something. lunch, or dinner. No, oh. it's it's essentially whatever you can get in four minutes. And I was oh, doing the no. podcast with you. So, Oh, such commitment to your fans. Well, that's shit uh, out of luck. That is something that uh, I did want to mention in your, your intro. You have an incredible commitment to your fans and you like to say hello to all of them. Please welcome to the show, Adam Scott. Hey, everybody. Uh, hey. Anyone you want to say hello to? Yeah. I would like to say hello to my family. I would like to say hello to my friends. And I would like to say hello to my fans. Mm. And I would like to say hello to you. Thank you very much. That's so kind of you. I appreciate that. It, at a no time problemo. where we're not we're not getting a lot of human connection. How wonderful It's nice to get some in there. How wonderful it is to hear a friend say hello to me. Thank you so much. Oh, no problemo. Um and uh, will you introduce me or should I introduce myself? Yeah, introduce yourself. <laughs> Um, here I am. You know me from other shows like Comedy Bang Bang. Uh, I directed a, one movie in my career. Uh, a lot of people saw it. Who knows? Uh, who knows if you saw it out there? Um, but, um, you know, I've skirted around the edges of, of show business for knocking on 25 years at this point please welcome me to the show scott ackerman hello 25 years in showbiz can you believe it this is my 25th year this summer will be my 25th year in comedy jesus christ can you believe it for a guy who i mean i was uh obviously i started very young i was four years old i'm 29 years old uh this summer but it's just incredible yeah you were hilarious that first album of yours when you were four <laughs> that stand-up record the seven so funny. dirty words that i can't even pronounce yep <laughs> goo goo what hearing goo -goo, you goo goo ga who you as a four-year-old trying to pronounce cunt is really funny <laughs> i almost got it um welcome to the show this is the show where we talk about rem exclusively how have you been adam how's uh how you holding up you know um okay i'm you know it's what has it been like a week and a half since we did this since before? we talked it's... last we spoke uh yeah probably a week ago you had a birthday since we spoke last uh, happy birthday to you thank you very much um yeah weird times are you used to this new normal here um, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a bit much. It's yeah. a little, it's a little extra if I have, have you, to admit. Ha have you had that moment yet where you just stop and go, I don't know, uh, if I can, uh, do this. Like, this is really not 
ending. <laughs> like this is <laughs> fucking crazy. And then, I, uh, yeah. and then that lasts for like five minutes and then you're like, okay, let's just, you know, whatever. Have you had I, that yet? I believe that, that Kulop and I, by the way, I'm married. I don't know if you know that. Um, mm. her name when did Kulop. you get married? I got married. I don't even remember, but, um, we we each separately kind of have had our days yeah. where uh, I was stricken by a panic attack on one certain day when I, I think it was when, it was when, honestly, it was when uh, uh, people, people like friends of friends started passing away. Yeah. Uh, and people my age and stuff. And so yeah. I was like, I, I, I kind of paralyzed and then also realizing that, um, that it's not going to end. Yeah. We're just kind of flattening the curve at this point. Like, it's not like in the summer we can all get this disease and be cool. Yeah. <laughs> um. So anyway, so, I, and then Cool Up has had it at certain points, but I think, uh, you know, I, I do have to say I'm I'm very glad that I am here with her uh, during this time, and I wish all of you could be here with her. Um, yeah. I wish you could be, here with her and oh everyone everyone wants to be there with Kulop. Cool just come over sort of common knowledge just come okay, over I'll, I'll be over in 10 minutes that goes for the listeners too just come on over uh um, yeah i i'm kind of the same like i was supposed to be in new york right now and the uh if, big pizza city the city of pizza yeah the big yeah. pizza i and like if through whatever reason if i was stuck there away from my family it would have been a real drag like if you had moved there a month earlier uh yeah you, pr you probably just would have gotten back on a plane and come back i probably would have just flown home <laughs> so what are these fantasies yeah i don't know but you ever, yeah. you ever think about you, you ever think about the empire state building having a big you know that needle on the top of it the big sharp point sure i've heard ha of it having a big piece of pizza stuck into it oh man that would be really funny yeah um but uh yeah i think just even today naomi just said like just kind of stopped and went i can't believe we're in quarantine because of a virus like the whole world the enormity of it is just hard to take sometimes yeah. and it's just no it's uh doesn't makes, end makes you weird. think of i mean obviously everyone is still trying to work but it's very difficult to because what does work even look like on the other side of this especially yeah um in this business of show what is you're trying to reflect the world and what does the world even look like uh, a year from now who knows so yeah. um but of course that's not what this show is about this isn't a sh look i'm gonna be honest we thought of we could just start a quarantine themed podcast like everyone else, but it got boring for us. So, yeah. so we, we decided to go back to the old reliable. We're here to talk about those boys in blue, the wonderful members of the Athens favorite band. Hi. The boys that never wear anything but blue. That's like True. their trademark, isn't their it? Their trademark, boys in blue. Uh, it, it's incredible. And, and a lot of people don't remember that about them because they didn't like to advertise it. Right. But if you go back and watch their videos and watch them on, like, say, David Letterman or um, 
the Tonight Show with uh, Reed Carvey. Yeah. Um, you'll notice that they're always wearing blue, and you'll be like, "Oh, wow, that's such a crazy like Easter egg." Which yeah. Easter, Easter, by the way, we just celebrated uh, the other day. He is risen. Uh, I wanted to say to you. Um, and uh, yeah, but he looked around. There's no one there because everyone's in quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, Jesus, uh, thanks for coming out of that cave. Why don't you go back for a little bit? Because thanks, uh, but no thanks. <laughs> yeah, you know? we're none of us are leaving at this point. Um, but uh, how did you celebrate Easter? Well, uh, you know, it was uh, it was it was incredible. We we had a ham. And oh. yeah, you, you baked a ham, baked a ham, um, and then ate it while, uh, watching television. Incredible. So you ate the entire ham. How big is this ham? Uh, it was as big as, uh, do you know, like this, the saying as big as a bread box. I know this, there's a similar saying that I'm familiar with bigger than a bread box. Okay. Um, let's meet right in the middle and say, uh, was it as big as a bread box or was it bigger than a bread box? And so I right, was, in, right in the middle of that is slightly bigger than a bread slightly box. bigger than a bread box, <laughs> like one millimeter. <laughs> yes, like a millimeter bigger than a bread box. Okay. Um, what? Uh, how about you? What'd you do for the old uh, Easter? Um, there, you know, pre- I, I get pretty traditional with it. Um, you know, uh, egg rolling on the front lawn and, yeah. um, you know, the candy hunt uh-huh. and, um, you get up really early and hide candy around the house, just all around the house. And, uh, I just hide chocolates, uh, for my dogs to find. And, mm-hmm. uh, th- they love it. The dogs love to just find all those, uh, chocolates and eat them. And, um, and it was really gotta go to the vet. Oh yeah, well, it's strange that you mentioned that. It's a coincidence, but yeah, we it was weird. Um after our Easter celebrations, um our dogs just started puking for some reason. I think they caught some sort of bug or something. Hmm. And we had to go to the vet and um get their stomachs pumped and um I I wonder if it was because of all the the chocolate you fed them or they probably maybe their eyes were bigger than their stomachs, if you know what I mean. Like uh, it's sort of like me on Halloween. When I'm done trick-or-treating, it's like all this chocolate. Hey, why not eat it tonight? Um, well, yeah, but you're not supposed to feed dogs chocolate at all. It's poisonous to them. It's what now? It's not good for them at all. It's poisonous to dogs. What, is, what does that word even mean? Poisonous? I've never it, even heard I've never heard that word. What is it that? It means that it's not good for them. Like if they eat it, they they could die. What, what is that? What, what is, what? Die? Yeah. Die, well, the w- one meaning of the word is to change the color of using Like my Easter means. eggs. Yes, your Easter eggs. Oh, okay, I see. So you see what I mean? I see, so they're going to be in charge of the Easter eggs next That's year? That's right, next no year. No thanks. Your dogs, your dog, no, it's now a rule because <laughs> they die, because of die. Oh. They are now in charge of Easter. Uh, they're probably going to be better at it than I will anyway. Maybe. Those mm. rascals. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's obviously April and um, all, obviously. The, all, of the, uh, all of the movies 
have all been postponed. Every single day, it seems like uh, uh, another news story comes out that's like, hey, guess what? Uh, Guess what? Guess what? Black Widow? You want to see Black Widow? You're not going to see Black Widow for months and months and months, mon frere. What have you been watching uh, any movies? Like I know some movies they put out right away on uh, the old yeah. iTunes. Um, I I find I did I did think it. I I was kind of laughing because I was like, is really? By the way, is this an episode of I Love Films? Yeah. everyone welcome to i love films this is scott and this is scott <clears throat> and we're look i'm gonna be honest we we normally love to talk about films on this show oh yeah we because of the quarantine we might just be talking about movies today so if you're a true film lover you may want to skip this episode because the standards have slipped yeah oh i've, I've just been watching sure. movies at yeah, this point it, it's it's basically been movie after movie uh, during this quarantine. No films. No film. I mean, for instance, I uh, I was watching Age of Innocence, which is like second tier Scorsese. That's how yeah. far I've fallen. Yeah, that's one of Scorsese's few movies. That well, and Shutter uh, Island. I mean, that a minor work at best. <laughs> exactly. You know what about what are some of the movies you've been watching, Adam? Uh, movies. Um, well, I watched a certainly a movie. Um, or you know what? I'm going to make an exception. I'm going to say I saw a film. What? On, on the, yeah, Bad Boys for Life. Whoa! Have you seen this? You you got a copy of Bad Boys for Life? Got a copy of Bad Boys for Life. I managed to get one, and I watched it. That is a F-I-L-M Capital M. Yeah, you got to capitalize that M. Film. Film. And just scream the ma when you're talking about films. I love film. Exactly. Um, That's amazing. How did you you enjoy that? uh, Pardon the pun, bad boy. (laughs) Uh, I don't get it. Yeah, it was Mm. great. It was really, really really good how bad were they and how masculine were they on a scale of good to bad and feminine to masculine where did they rank it's weird because they're both clearly fully grown men um Mm. they got pubes they both have tons and tons of pubes (laughs) and just sticking out of every costume and as far as i could tell they're in law enforcement uh, so they're not bad. That's not very clear, uh, to be honest, from what I've seen of the film. The yeah. fact that they're in law enforcement, I'm not. I'm not quite sure you have that right. Well, I, I also I watched it while I was hanging upside down, and <laughs> I had the vo- I had it on mute, so oh. I'm not totally clear. Um, Are any of the characters ever upside down in that film? Well, there's a car chase where one of the cars flips over and you can see that the guys in the car are upside down. So for a brief millisecond. Yeah. So I just paused it on that for like (laughs) half an hour. And what were you doing upside down, by the way? I was doing my upside down exercises. What are those? Well, it's where you hang upside down for 
I don't know, the length of a, of a movie, say four or five hours. Sure. And you just hang there and, and watch a movie and it gets you in great shape. Wow. Can I, uh, do you mind standing up so I can see what's going on down in, uh, on, on legs down there? Sure. Check it out. Those are that's, amazing. Yeah, that's from five hours of hanging upside down every day. That's crazy, man. Thank you. Wow. Well, hey, um, look, it's clear. We love films. We'll see Bye. you next time. Bye. <laughs> good i like hmm. check i like checking in with those guys sure listen they know what they're doing um speaking of knowing what we're doing i know that we need to take a break um when we come back we are going to um talk a little bit about uh michael stipe has a new song that he uh premiered and then he sang on colbert we'll be talking about that amongst other things we are going to come right back with uh, a little more of this show called Are You Talking R.E.M. Remy? We will be back on the other side of this. And by the way, Ben Lee will be here. Oh, Ben Lee. Yes. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Are You Talking R.E.M. Remy? I believe this song came up on Shuffle the other day. I sent you a a uh, screen grab of me listening to it, or, or the, my iTunes or something. You did, Prove, didn't I? I sent you like five texts the other day, most of which went unreturned. Um, until finally, I yes, I did. Okay, so should we go through our text exchanges? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Uh, okay, here's here's me on Friday. New Peter Buck and Scott McCoy album, The No Ones, is really good. No answer from you. Wait, when? It, oh, yeah. You, you know what? It's weird, though, because I saw your text and I downloaded the and album. You, and you didn't care to write back. <laughs> I, in my mind, I had written back. <laughs> what? What would you have written back? Oh, yeah, this is awesome, which I meant, <laughs> I thought in my mind I had, I totally did that. Okay, well, that was Friday at 11.04 a.m. Yeah. Cut to Sunday, 8.02. I've grown tired of waiting for your response. Yeah. And uh, I had just uh, checked in with Ben Lee, our guest coming up uh, soon on the show, and uh, I write, Ben Lee would like to do an REM app. <laughs> That's Sunday, 8.02. Yeah. Monday at noon, still no answer from you. I say, record this week? Now, here's the thing. <laughs> On Sunday, I got that text, Ben Lee would like to do an REM app. And I was like, huh, that's, how does he know that? And I went on Twitter. I found the entire exchange with you and Ben. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. And in my mind, I had gone, hey, I just just saw that. And that's awesome. Let's do it. So anytime, but so I, I see sh- here that I did not do that. So what I should do is when I'm when I don't get a response from you, I should assume that you wrote something like, "Hey, that's cool," or something like that. I'll feel better. Yeah, about myself. and you've yeah. just forgotten to do it because now looking at this, actually looking at the text exchange or lack thereof, 
it's uh it's it's horrible it's horrible <laughs> behavior there yeah followed up by at 8 p.m there i i send you three things including one the third one finally i say what do i got to do to get you to text me back and then yeah. you you finally write back sorry yes let's do it bro and then i sent you a bunch of pictures of me listening to various things including you two rem and billy joel um Anyway, so I thought that was funny, but... Uh, oh, I don't think I understood what those... I, I thought those photos were, like, sent by mistake or something. I didn't know what that was. Um, oh, no. Uh, Just trying to provoke you. It's almost like me poking you, trying to get you to, like... But then you said Thursday, it's good for Ben. I said, sure. You said, okay, it's a quote-unquote date. And I say, cool, man, it's a quote-unquote date. And then I sent a gif of a hamster... Of two hamsters on a date. Yeah, and I never wrote back. Yeah, you didn't respond to that. Um, mainly because you pronounce it GIF, which I find disgusting. Oh, was it GIF? Disgusting GIF. is what I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh-huh. But so, yeah, why were we talking about that? I can't remember. Ben Ben did this really great. Nice yeah, yeah, we'll talk, we'll talk about it. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about it. Um, but there, there's a little, a little bit of uh, news coming out of the REM camp. Uh, Michael Stipe has been releasing songs, I guess, in a way. He, he, he. I don't think we've ever talked about his first two songs that he um, released: uh, "Your Capricious Soul" and "Drive to the Ocean." I don't think we oh, were I, doing apps around them. But didn't we? Talk about it at one point? Maybe. I can't remember. I don't no. I don't feel like we did, but maybe we did. But um, this is the uh, third song that Michael Stipe released, and he performed it on uh, the Colbert Show. Now, Colbert has been doing what we've been doing, essentially, which is he's been staying in his house and doing remote live hookups with people. Um, basically, like, every celebrity is doing podcasts now. And it's like, celebs, right. stay in your fucking lane. <laughs> right. Um, like get out of here. We we it's bad enough that the Conan O'Briens of the world and the 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 who are those dudes from Scrubs got us and the Office ladies and all, come on get out of here celebs. Let Dude. us let us non celebs like Adam Scott over here. <laughs> do the dudes from Scrubs have a uh, a podcast? They do a Scrubs podcast. I think the two of the Sopranos dudes start doing a Sopranos podcast. It's like come oh, on. Boy. We know that we've influenced so many artists out there. <laughs> and look, we appreciate it. This whole like breaking things down uh, genre, subgenre of, of podcasting. And we, we get it. We're the forefathers of that. But um, we'd rather you just stay away. Was the U2 thing... Um, w- the show w- we did? Yeah, the show we did about U2... You talking you two to me. Was that yeah. like uh going album by album? Had no people had done that before, right? No, we were the first people to ever listen to albums. All albums from an artist? Yeah. Wow. That's Isn't incredible. That incredible. We're really we were ahead of our time. Wow. Yeah. We're good. I mean, we've been doing obviously we've been doing this now for 25 years. 25 26 years. Yeah, so it's been um We've been doing it 26 years, and I started doing comedy 25 years ago. So the first year was really dry. Yeah. But, um, no yeah. laughs. <laughs> um, so yeah. So wait. So, so Colbert has been, do- has been doing his show at night 
and he's been having people sort of he's either been talking to them via satellite or or right. they'll send things this was kind of the latter where stipe i think performed this song and then sent it and wasn't doing it live essentially but um but uh, did you see it yeah it was great i, I really like that song a lot let's play a little bit of it uh this is uh this is not him. Hey, welcome back. This everybody. is obviously this is my musical guest tonight. Colbert. I'm just going to skip this machine. part. Performing "No Time for Love Like Now," ladies and gentlemen. It's cool to have Colbert on our show, though. Yeah. By the way, Stipe is wearing a. a uh, I don't even know. No time for breezy. I don't know what color this is. What would you say? No time for. He, what his sweater? Happiness. His sweater and his house. No time for. His house and his sweater are the same color. Now. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. What color would you say that is? There's no time in the That's bottom. aquamarine. Yeah, or kind of an aquamarine. No aquamarine. More on the green side no of it. Time for love. Yeah, I think you're right. Life Speaking of green, now. this guy, I mean, he, he would know green. There's no time for dancing. No time for run. Wait, let's get to the chorus. No time you, for talk to him. He's the one singing the song. No. Hey, get to the chorus, man. Where did the song begin? Dude, this is the pre-chorus. Come on, get to the chorus. Dude. 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 Are you talking to me? Get to the chorus. Hey. I turned Dude. From the glorious light. Dude. I turned my head and cried. Whatever waiting means Is this the chorus? I am waiting for you Maybe that was the chorus. Was that the chorus? I, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. I assumed that couldn't be the chorus. No, that was it. That was it. Um... But a cool song, kind of it reminds me a little of like uh, uh, late late period, yeah, up uh, 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 era REM. Um, excited for the new record whenever it comes out. Yeah, I hope um, he puts out like a whole album. Remember when when we interviewed him, he you said like you're making, we know you have yeah a, when's a new record coming out and he was like, well, like no not, there's not no really. there's no album. Maybe he wasn't ready to announce it yet, but I think he has an album. By the way, that song was a collaboration with um, Aaron Dessner, who people mainly know from the Comedy Bang Bang television show uh, and the Comedy Bang Bang podcast. He also is in a band called The National. Um, but a uh, cool song. Yeah, I like it a lot. What do you think of it compared to the other two singles he's released? I like this one the best out of the you three. Do. Yeah, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I feel like they they all go together well. They feel like they're all from like the same Shamalama, record. Like Shamalama, Dang Dang, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bomb Daboo, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yes, so that was... Uh, anyway, that was... Uh, it's cool to see. I mean, I honestly, I was like, did he buy this sweater because his house is painted that color? Or did he paint his house because he owned that sweater? 
I really and don't know. And did he do it just for the Colbert appearance? I don't know. Because the video he put out of the song previously on like Instagram, he's wearing a different sweater. So that implies he bought a sweater the color of his house. Maybe he has a different sweater and a different color uh, sweater, but also a different color room for each time he performs each one of his songs. Maybe he, every room in his house is a different color, and anytime he walks to a different room, he puts on a different sweater. Yeah. That's probably it. So he has like a, a sweater dispenser at the entrance to each room? It's a lot like a Pez dispenser with his own face that he yeah. opens up. That's right. And takes out a sweater <laughs> and puts it over the previous sweater. Doesn't doesn't replace the sweater. He by the end of the day, he's wearing like twenty five sweaters. He's just sweating. <laughs> he's so hot. But uh, also he's just huge because he has all these sweaters on. He's now, sweltering, but also swole. Now now what about um this new Peter Buck album that you were uh, yes, telling me the about. no ones. Do we? Uh, I'm sure uh, they would not mind if we played a little bit of that. I, sure. uh, I really liked this. By the way, and one one thing I would say. Okay, so Peter Buck put out that. Um, Michael Stipe put out uh, these songs. Uh, Mike Mills, remember yeah, your man. promise to us. Remember when you said you were gonna release that solo album? What are you up to? None not of us have that. Anything to do the, at this point. By the end of the year, and that was last year. Yeah. Um, I remember when we saw him in September, he kind of said like, oh, it may be a little longer than a year. And I was like, uh-uh. No. No, dude. No, dude. No, 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 no. So I want, I want that shit to drop. Um, so if you're listening to this, and we, let's be honest, we know you are. Um, <laughs> That's but, right. Put that shit out, brother. Now, now, do you want to play a moment from that? Yeah. Or uh, let's bit? play. Let's play. I, I I love this first song. This is called "No One Falls Alone." This is from the great lost No One's album by the No Ones. This is in the classic tradition of having uh, your band name in not only the album title but also in a song title as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is a tradition for the ages. From bad company to general public, we all know these bands that have done that little trick. Um, so let's hear a little bit of No One Falls Alone. Here we go.
pretty, pretty good. Yeah, it's really good. You know, Peter Buck is one productive person. He really is. He, um, and it's not like us where, yeah, we put out brilliant podcasts. Um, he's putting out brilliant albums. <laughs> yeah, but it takes a long time to make an album, or maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But he, they well, it takes a like, long. It takes a long time for us to do this. Every it sure does. Every like few months, there's another album of his. This is Boy, one of my favorites. A new band. Yeah, yeah this, this is, is really one good. Of my, uh, this it reminds me of like stuff from the mid to late '90s, like yeah. uh, Teenage Fan Club or. Yeah. Um, you know, gigolo aunts and stuff like that. Really good power pop stuff. I really enjoyed it. And it's a great Scott McCoy on lead vocals there. Yeah. Yeah. And he's right there on the cover too. If you're, look, if you're a person who doesn't like music, but you love pictures of Scott McCoy, you're just like, I can't get enough of them. Buy the record and throw the CD in the trash. Cause he's right there on the cover. Yeah. He's right, right there. Now, what about that new stroke song? Okay. So, I listened to the most of the new stroke. The new strokes came out on Friday, so yeah, I listened to most of it actually right before we started recording. Okay. Um, and I okay. Do you want to hear like the the kind of it's not the official first single, but the kind of more real strokes first single, bad decisions. Let's hear. Oh a yeah, bit that's of that. great. Okay, let's hear a little bit of strokes. So I like it, but the thing I gotta I gotta ask about the Strokes is like, okay, so this song is a Billy Idol. I won't call it a ripoff because they actually credit him in the yeah. writing. Yeah. And then the song right after it is a psychedelic furs song that they have interpolated. Wait, which song is that? Eternal Summer. They basically rip off Ghost in You. Oh, can and you they, play and that they one? Give, yeah, yeah. They give uh, Psychedelic Furs a, a writing credit on it as well. They do? Uh, yeah. But it's like, I and you know, I mean, Oasis used to do this where, but they always did it. The Strokes, this is kind of a new thing. Like, now they're just like putting out old songs as their own songs. Yeah, but then there's, what, seven more that aren't that. Yeah, but it's... Only Who nine cares? songs too. Uh, Brooklyn Bridge to Chorus is great, and I love yeah, At the good... Door. At the Door is incredible. At the Door, I really like. I just don't. I wish it wasn't the first single, but because. But is it a single or was it just it kind was, of that it w- first like song they put out there? Because Bad Decisions is like that feels a video like the real first single, but like yeah. At the Door, they were saying is the first single, and so I listened to it. I was like, well, this isn't a very good single necessarily. It's a cool. Uh, I thought song. it was cool. Yeah. Okay, the uh, 
The psychedelic first part is coming up in a sec. This is a cool song, but I yeah. would say if you realize you've ripped off the psychedelic first, sing something different. There's a million other. You could go la 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 la. Just change it. Just change it. Here it is. I guess, but they're probably also like, fuck it. This is awesome. Inside you, the ghost in you. Is this the part? Yeah, this is it. See, then there's someone like me who doesn't know that psychedelic for a song and doesn't care at all. Well, you're a piece of shit. Um, uh, I think it's just awesome to hear like a Strokes record that sounds like reinvigorated and Rick Rubin's it, producing it. It's it's kind of yeah. great. Some of it sounds like the Strokes. I would say Strokes. We want you to sound like the Strokes. That's we like the Strokes. You can sound like the Strokes. What you think? Some of it does not sound like that. Some of it, some of it's a little a little more like the Voids. I would say, but um, like but we, at the door. Yeah, and just some of the other songs on it. I I know you haven't heard the whole thing, so I'm. Um, you know what's good though, and doesn't sound too much like. And we texted about this. Is this is one that you actually did text me back about? Uh, is uh, Pearl Jam just put out a record? And I know that yes, of course, we're talking about dad rock. Uh, st- that's but l- we're of a certain age. Sorry, we like this stuff. But um, Super Blood Wolf Moon, the the uh, Pearl Jam single, kicks a little bit of ass. I would say. Yeah, it's uh, it's really good. Let's hear some of that. Oh, that isn't even the song that I, I meant to play. I meant to play Dance of the Clairvoyance, but Super Blood Wolf Moon is really good. Oh, yeah. Dance of the Clairvoyance is the single, right? Yeah, let's say. Well, uh, Super Blood Wolf Moon is also a single, I think, but this was the first taste that uh, we all got of the record. Kind of like a Talking Heads Yeah, it's uh, like vibe. Talking Heads. Yeah, it's really cool. I'm bummed because I think Pearl Jam was supposed to be playing maybe this week even uh, here in L.A. And Jason Manzoukas and I were going to go. And obviously we are not any longer. Everything's been postponed. Thanks for inviting me on that uh, sojourn. A, would you have written back? Well, I would have actually, if this wasn't happening, I wouldn't have been in Los Angeles. Hey, you know what's great too is that killer single. Oh, the new Killer single is really, really good. Let's hear a little bit of that. I'm going to find that. Um, Yeah, I think it's a pretty good time for bands that have been around since the 90s or the uh, early 2000s because some good shit. Yeah. Oh, and there's some new uh, new Foo Fighters coming up. Well, it's not out, so why are we talking about it? I don't know. Here's the new uh, Killers. From imploding the mirage, which I, is this still going to come out? Or a lot of albums have been delayed because of this, because not because uh, they're not really? done, but because people can't go on talk shows to promote them. 
like they normally would. So it's it seems like everything's being pushed back. But the Strokes album did come out, and I think the Killers one is still scheduled. When does it come out? Pretty soon, I think. Like maybe May or June. Oh, the Hamilton Leithauser too. Yes, that just came out, I believe, on Friday. It's so good. Have you heard that one? I haven't heard it yet. It's awesome. Hamilton, of course, from the Walkmen. Yeah. Uh, people would know that band mainly because a couple of the members were in the Between Two Ferns movie. Right. Oh, and the Haim, the new Haim stuff? Haim, yes. Haim. Their, their record got pushed back. Oh, it did? Well, yeah, the songs that are out there. The single, came, yeah, the single came out, but they're, they obviously they would be on a lot of uh, talk shows and doing a lot of promo for it, so they decided to push theirs back. You want me to get That's to the chorus bad. on this? Good shit. Yeah, it's really good. Brandon Flowers, I hope you appreciate us giving you a little uh, little boost here on our show. Do you think, <laughs> is, that, is that his real name, do you think? No. No? What, did he see some flowers lying by the side of the road? It's like, yeah, that'll do. His name's probably like... Johnny Dipshit. Brand, <laughs> Brian <laughs> Buttfuck. <laughs> Um, Adam, uh, uh, we, uh, not to, not to get, uh, turn the mood back too somber, but, uh, we, uh, this week, look, the whole reason we're in quarantine is because of this terrible, uh, virus that's going around. And, um, someone that I met through you at a U2 show, um, just passed away. Did you want to yeah. mention him? Hal Wilner is, uh was just a terrific guy um i knew how because he worked on Step Brothers, as he did lots of uh adam mckay or judd movies uh, as a music supervisor and just kind of general music impresario person he's just the coolest guy knew everybody um, you could just bring anyone up and he would tell a cool story, anyone in music up. You would tell a cool story and just chat with you about rock and roll for as long as you wanted. And he was he's not like snobby or anything. He loved it all and would talk about any of it. And uh, really tight. I remember that night we ran into him at U2. Lou Reed had just passed away and he was pretty broken up about it because they're close. And so we talked a bit about Lou Reed and do you remember the stay awake compilation yeah. he put together? And like, yeah, the that was the 80s? first time I ever saw his name really. I, I must've seen it in credits of SNL or something if he had worked on it at that point. But I remember reading a lot of the press about that Stay Awake record, which yeah. was a a compilation of um, various artists doing reimaginings of Disney songs. Um, and uh, uh, so, some really 
great songs on there. Baby yeah. Mine by Bonnie Ray. It is so good. And James Taylor, Second Star to the Right. I sing that all the time. That's such a beautiful version. Um, but the replacements were on it and Michael Stipe and Natalie Merchant and Los Lobos and so many great people. I remember seeing his name and that's, I, I will always remember his name from that because I just was like fascinated by this guy who put together such a wildly eclectic album yeah. of, of cool a, people. Of a really specific sort of subset of songs. Really cool. Someone, um, and I wish I could credit the original uh, tweeter, the, the writer of this tweet, but someone said, it's such a bummer that John Prine passed away and Hal Wilner is not there to put the tribute concert together. Oh my God, it. that's so true. It's such a drag. John Prine also just incredible. Um, but uh, I knew Hal just a little bit. There are people that knew him a lot better than I did, but I was lucky too. And, and, uh, and it's a real drag. He's a terrific, terrific guy. Well, everyone stop dying. That's my wish. Yes. If we everyone have, ever, ever, ever. Um, but you know, who is alive and who is, um, I'm very excited to talk to is Ben Lee. You excited yeah. about this? Yeah. Ben's just rad dude and uh, looking forward to talking to him. Yeah, so uh, we're going to go to a break. When we come back, Ben is going to be here. He's going to play a song. He's going to talk about REM. This is exciting. We'll be right back with more Are You Talking REM Remi right after this. Yeah. back are you talking rem remi that of course is the opening chiming chords of discoverer from the collapse into now deluxe version whoa weird yeah. brag oh i sprung for the deluxe um what do you got adam you got just the uh, the regular version of that uh no, I got the, I have the deluxe, but I, I'm just more low key about it, I guess. Oh, you don't. Oh, okay. So you actually bought the deluxe. You have the money for the deluxe version. Had the money for the deluxe oh, that's version, right? And then the quarantine hit. That's right. <laughs> well, as soon as you get your surplus check, you can buy the deluxe version again. <laughs> that's right. You just took off your sweater, by the way, and you're wearing I did. A, I got a, a jaunty yellow striped shirt. But I just want to uh, let the listeners know what's going on. Thanks for doing that. And you know what else? You know, one of the reasons I just took my sweater off uh, just now, as you described previously, mm -hmm. uh, is because I just, before the recording, I wolfed down two Trader Joe's burritos. Two, two of them. Two entire burritos? Two entire Trader Joe's burritos. Are these regulation size burritos or are these mini burritos? These are regulation size, which is three feet long. <laughs> <laughs> so you ate like a six foot party sub burrito style, essentially. Six, well, it's a six foot party sub uh, in the style of a burrito, which is essentially That's what exactly you said. That's exactly what I just fucking said. I know, I know, but the, the way they phrase it is in the style of a burrito. Oh, not, in the style of a burrito. Not burrito I apologize. style. I apologize to Trader Joe's, or as they call uh, all of their Mexican offerings, Trader Jose's. Yes, 
this is definitely, definitely a Trader Jose's experience. In the subset of Trader Jose's. So you you ate two burritos during our break? That's right. And it 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 has exhausted me and made me very hot. <laughs> our break was only three minutes long or so, and you ate two entire burritos. Incredible. Yes. Um, well, uh, I do want to uh, look. Why are we wasting time? I don't know. I mean, you could call that the title of this podcast. Why are we wasting time? <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> um, but uh, I do want to get to our guest. We we talked about him before the break. Uh, very exciting to talk to this person. I'm a big fan. Have all of his records. Uh, we'll talk. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. I, <laughs> I jumped. I jumped your introduction. Why, why did I didn't you say mean, his name? I did not mean to do that. I don't know why. I why, did, why did you just blurt out his name? That's one of the weirdest know. things you've ever done. A mid introduction, you just go Ben Lee. <laughs> like you're no, surprised but, he's here. What? Is no, happening? I wasn't. I wasn't. I was. I wasn't. It wasn't a question. I was saying to myself. I was saying Ben Lee. Like <laughs> just saying his name. It's like, like it's the, cool. It's like the they're not booing, they're saying Bruce. <laughs> right. You're not What's you're not difference? introducing him. You're just saying it excitedly <laughs> that he's here. Yeah. It's very um, strange. It is very strange. But uh you you buried the lead a little bit or or tipped the moon. I don't know exactly ben what Lee. the Yeah, Ben Lee is here. Uh let's welcome him to the show. Please welcome Ben Lee is here. Hello, Ben. Hello. I, is that embarrassing for me to play one of your songs to introduce you? It feels you? like I should be walking on, and it's yeah. there's nothing to do during this intro. I'm just Thank you for just my, yeah, you're miming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm waving at the audience. Just... Is that how you walk, by the way? Your fists were so high. Yeah, like Mario. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> if you could jump over a flower for me, I'd really appreciate it. Is that what happens in Mario? I have no idea. Yeah, something, something like that. He jumps yeah, into Albert. a tube, I know that. Um, how are you, Ben? Good to, good to, I mean, uh, we, uh, the three of us, I don't think have ever met before. Is that correct? It, it's, I, I, you know, I do the very LA, you know, good to see you, um, because it has been many years on the peripheries of show business that I've passed by <laughs> to many people. I can't remember exactly. All of maybe. us have been on the peripheries like of show room, business. I've been in a room with you, Scott, before. Really? Um, a room? At Jake Fogelnest's thing. Uh, oh, okay. Yes. I saw you and I didn't say hello. And, oh, I didn't know you were there. I did not yeah, see you. Yeah. And I'm not sure, Adam, if I, anyway, you know, we all, whatever. We're, hello, I, hello, hello. I think we've been at the same party a couple of times, but I, I, <clears throat> I've never met you. Wait, you well, went to a party a couple. You went to a party a couple of times. I think we've been to the same party a couple of times. I'm just assuming. so you went to the party, then you left, yeah. and then you came back. And then to I the came same back, and Ben was there both times. He was there both times. Did you leave in between Adam leaving Ben during that party? Do you have any idea? No, no. I tried to stay there and just mark like timing his entrances and exits. You know, mm -hmm, just, mm -hmm. yeah. that's right. Just I will proper record. I will say, Ben, we were in the same room uh, once when I saw you perform at Largo circa, uh, if I had to guess, let's see, what album would it have been behind? Probably 2002, right around the Hey You, Yes You years. Ah, uh, right on. Is so that, wait, Old Largo sound, or New Largo? Old Largo. Does old that Largo. sound probable? It's very likely. Okay, very likely. Good. Uh, you were great. My wife and I really enjoyed you. Oh, and uh, I believe I uh, messaged you at one, or at least said publicly that Breathing Tornadoes, uh, the soundtrack to many years with my wife and I. So uh, thank oh, you very so much cool. for 
for making that. Uh, and uh, uh, Adam, any uh, uh, opinions on Ben's work? Yes, Ben is terrific. I've been an admirer for for years, and I'm I'm starting to remember one time when I did see you, and this must have been circa 2005, 2006. Were you living in Los Angeles? For sure, yeah. Uh, sort of like, um, I was a bit nomadic in that period, but I was okay. um, staying on various people's couches often in Los Angeles, so yes. People Is that because you- women. I was very dedicated to meeting women in that period. Is ah. that because you, you didn't want to pay rent or what was going sort on? Sort of, I'd lived in New York for like, uh, you know, seven or eight years and was in a long-term relationship and was sort of single for the first time in my 20s and uh-huh. realized there's all sorts of experiences I could be having rather than paying rent and, you know. so And why not have them on a friend's couch? Exactly. Instead of your own bed. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> do you guys do you guys believe in the uh, saying or do you agree with the saying? I believe ga- in it, definitely. That guests are like fish. They s- start to stink after three weeks. Three, Three weeks. weeks. How God, long? Is long. <laughs> how long is it before you're eating your fish, Adam? <laughs> I save fish for at, at minimum three weeks. <laughs> at minimum. Oh my gosh. Um, ben, thank you so much for doing the show. Uh, you, you, we've messaged each other a, a few times, but uh, you, you, uh, I don't know whether you listen to the show or are just a a, a, a fan of the subject matter, but. Uh, there, there's so much that we wanted to ask you about this. So many questions kind of like bubble up and and go through our brains. And Adam and I talked before you came out here <clears throat> during mid-burrito. I think it was like mid-burrito number two we were talking about. Like, what do you want to ask Ben? What do you want to ask Ben? Yeah. And I think we, we wrote down a list of questions, um, approximately two regulation size papers, uh, full of questions and that's right. And the the one that really sprung to mind the the one that we really wanted to get out of the way first and and ask you first. Um, when did you first hear of REM? Um, you know, so I was I'm Australian and um, what? Uh, uh, yeah, and Australia, you know, the sort of college rock scene and everything like pre Nirvana w- was not. Um, it was just not as vibrant an influence on culture. Also, I was very young. You know, I'm now 41. Right. So like when... So what was going on pre-Nirvana? You, you well, have the there Hoodoo was, Gurus. I, yeah, there's Hoodoo Gurus. And there's a lot of... Like, there was actually like a bunch of punk bands I would go see in Sydney and indie bands. But I just wasn't... And I remember like Mudhoney and Dinosaur right. Jr. coming out and stuff. But I just didn't... You know, it was a little generation above me a little bit. Yeah. Also, is that is that a radio thing? Is it, Were the radio stations not playing those bands? Uh, I think it was probably more just to do with the way touring worked. Like if you think about alternative music and the roots of it, it was really based in touring. And before the early 90s, you didn't really go to Australia unless you were a massive band. It was like you'd get Madonna and Bon Jovi and stuff, but you wouldn't get like smaller bands. When we went to uh, uh, Australia on the Comedy Bang Bang Tour, it is such an ordeal. And uh, then- it just getting there is so hard oh, yeah. and it's, and it's a massive country. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of assumed it was smaller. So we were playing four cities and, and they said, do you want to play Perth? I said, yeah, sure. Add Perth to it. And that is like going from, uh, Melbourne to Perth is like traveling from Los Angeles to 
Chicago, essentially. It like takes it's a four hour plane trip or something. I had no idea how big the country was. So it's just like a massive, massive thing. And everyone in Australia that I would talk to, they would say, like, thank you so much for coming here. No one comes here. I can't believe you're here. Why did you come here? You're crazy for coming here. Um and then everyone in Perth said, I can't believe you came to Perth. We would have just went to Melbourne. <laughs> or well, yeah, Sydney. The, the, the physical dis- distance is a factor, but culturally before the internet, there was just sort of this cultural distance that like yeah. somewhere like Perth would be 10 years behind Sydney and Sydney would be 10 years behind Los Angeles. And, you know, like ideas just took a long time to filter through. So all, all that being said, like I became aware of REM, you know, at losing my religion, basically, like when most people around the world did that were not highly tapped into what was going on with like, you know, college radio in America and stuff. Right. I do so know that, that yeah. I Go do ahead, know Adam. that they they started both the Green Tour and the Monster Tour in Australia. Well, they I, I stand corrected. <laughs> No, no. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I, I just wonder if that's it, this that is it? this is Adam's thing, by the way. He <laughs> he reels you in. He's very silent. He's like the silent killer. He lets you, you know, hang yourself with your own rope, and then he focuses in on his REM trivia and to, just to figure out your lies. Maybe Australia was being treated as like the toads of New Haven of the world. Where like you go there, you figure it out, and then you take it on the road. That's what I was audiences. gonna. That's what I was gonna ask. Is where, did bands do that? Like with these big tours, go down there and and work it out. Like in a totally different media market. I mean, it's not like that anymore, of course, but a completely separate media market, so they could work out the kinks. Well, I do remember they labels would do that. Like Jeff Buckley was one of the first artists that labels really tested out the marketing of it in Australia and broke it in Australia and then applied it to around the world. So I think there was a little bit bit of a sense it was this smaller concentrated market with like one big alternative radio station. So there was, you could sort of see how things went and if they had a life there. Interesting. So I, I remember being in Australia too. One of the promoters was telling me that the big, big bands, and I think he mentioned Weird Al Yankovic, (laughs) <laughs> um, they had to ship their uh, concert sets by boat that they they essentially like every, everyone had to just all the sets, these massive sets people had would have to get to Australia by boat. And then the artists would come there a few days later or something like that. Does that sound uh, plausible? I mean, or? at the heights of my most victorious moments in the music industry, I've never been involved in shipping sets anywhere. So <laughs> I really do not know the answer to that one. <laughs> but that's, um, not, that's kind of normal. Like even like when, like say stadium bands, like the Stones tour, they often have two setups going and one of them will go ahead because it takes a full 48 hours to set it up. And The Stones, huh? You like the Stones? Yeah, sure. I'm going to play, I'm going to play a little stones for us here. Uh, if I can find some, the, uh, we're talking about, of course, the Rolling Stones, which, um, I've, I've always thought about the Rolling Stones. It's like, what a racket that they had that, that magazine called Rolling Stone magazine. It's like having an advertisement for, uh, for your own band coming out every single week. You ever hear this song? Yeah. My career would have been so different if they'd been wow. Benly Weekly. Exactly. Comedy yeah. Bang Bang Monthly, at least. Come on. You ever I hear this one? I wish it was a lot louder. <laughs> what I'll do you tell think, you Adam? a little bit of REM related trivia with the Stones for me. 
the night I like fully got the stones was um, at a party in an apartment in New York and Jimmy Fallon told me, get into some girls. He was like, that's the album. Get into it, get into it. Because I'd never really been open to like the stones in a way. Mm. And um, and that was also the night that Michael Stipe turned me on to This Mortal Coil, Song to the Siren. Which really? Is, like, oh, one cool. of my favorite songs. It came on and he said, does this song mean anything to anybody else here? And he was so visibly moved by it. So um, let, what yeah. party? What party is this? You're at a party I with? I think it was at like Jane Pratt's house or something. Who's like, Jane Pratt? She had um, sassy, sassy magazine, magazine and yeah. Jane magazine. Oh, okay, right, right, right. The titular Jane. You um, know, it's an interesting little piece of trivia, Jane Pratt uh, related, is that around the time that I saw you walking on Franklin Avenue in like 2004, <laughs> 2005, 2006. We moved into an apartment that had previously been occupied by Jane Pratt and her husband, and I think her baby. And I, you think the baby came with them? I well, I don't remember if they had a kid or not. But after we had moved in and been there a while, I found a Polaroid in a kitchen drawer of Jane Pratt just sitting on the staircase in the apartment that I was living in. Wow. That's the entire story. <laughs> it was moving. It was a moving story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Jane Pratt and um, Julie Panabianco, do you guys know her? Mm-mm. She went to Capitol. She was, she's still, I think, best friends with Stipe. Um, that, 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 there was a whole world of um, very like vibrant nightlife happening in New York, um, mid-90s to sort of early 2000s. And I think, yeah. I think Stipe and Jane lived in the same apartment building from what i remember like maybe across from each other so yeah it's like a whole interesting sort of part of new york history that was almost like still connected to 80s new york where everyone was going out and mixing in different from different backgrounds and different cultures and like high culture and unsuccessful and you know very successful and all that yeah right when did you first meet Stipe? Was this party with Jimmy Fallon who told you to get into some girls and <laughs> was Stipe telling you about this mortal coil your first interaction with him no, or was I, this Oh, look, it's so funny because I knew I was coming to talk to you guys about this. I started like reflecting a, a bit about um, Michael Stipe and his, um, the role he played in my psyche and in my social circle because he was, um, so yeah, it was New York and we were all going out all the time. It was like literally every single night, like me calling up Jake Fogelness and being like, what's happening tonight? And we'd figure <laughs> to go do something. And, um, and uh, it was... You know, Michael Stipe was like, um, he was like the king of a certain segment of New York City intelligentsia kind of nightlife, you know, like like um, cultured and alternative, but like super famous and successful and really good at being a celebrity. Uh-huh. So he cut a certain figure in every room he walked into, which he still, you know, just part of his aura of sort of who he is. But so I have a lot of memories and really um, part of the reason it's sort of like um, uh, uh, it's I've been trying to piece the all these thoughts together, how to articulate them. But they're hard to. But, you know, this this cover I, I did the other day of Night Swimming, um, part of the reason it's emotional for me, that song is the songs so much about memory and looking back on a younger self and the innocence and the arrogance and the the insecurity and all that. And that is how I look back at the time when I was bumping into Michael Stipe a lot and I look at all those interactions as sort of humiliating 
Uh Um, because they reflected so much of my own desire to be sort of culturally impactful and and socially impactful and cool. But Mm -hmm. also, um, uh, it's like what I realized about Michael Stipe through all these interactions was he was actually a really good socialite. Like he was someone that um, understood the power of being in a room and being um, charming and authentic at the same time and intelligent. And in a way, like the essence of socializing comes down to the value in community and where I like artistic community, right? Like he, he really fostered a lot of community. And I, as I learned more about him, I was thinking about how he like produced Vic Chestnut and would get behind all these Athens artists. And, you know, I think what I didn't realize at the time, like I was 19 and like, I was, I was an asshole. Like I was um, so <laughs> just like, I feel like I was so ambitious and kind of needy and arrogant oh. at the same time, which is like the worst combination of qualities. A lot and of hubris. All, yeah, yeah, just terrible. You're, by the way, you're describing Adam right now, so I, <laughs> I get it. And it all would come to a head in these various conversations with Michael Stipe at two o'clock in the morning in various settings around New York City. So there's like a <laughs> lot of these just awfully humiliating memories. That's how we, that, honestly, that is how we feel. Uh, we, we've had the great pleasure to in, to uh, interview the subject matter of, of these two shows that we've done, these three shows that we've done. Well, we've done four shows, but we haven't talked to Stained, although we did talk to Todd Glass. So I consider it to be like three and a half subject matters of it's our four shows. essentially like talking to Stained. Right. Um, <laughs> it's better, I would say. Yeah. But I, I, I think we feel the same way of like, I treasure those moments that we've hung out with Bono uh, and, and Michael Stipe, but I'm also deeply embarrassed for whatever stupid things we said to oh, them man, during it. But I don't know if you feel like this, but I, I feel like there are also these people who operate at a very kind of high level artistically and mm-hmm. culturally, they also impart lessons just through the interactions. Mm-hmm. And when I look back on a lot of my interactions with Michael Stipe, it's like, I almost feel there was like a teacher scolding me on <laughs> how to behave in a way that was a little more mature and a little bit more dignified. Hmm. Um, like, for instance, I just remember one night when um, he was talking about the Backstreet Boys, um, Larger Than Life, uh, and he's like, it's like the best Peter Gabriel song. And I sort of rolled my eyes or something, and he just looked at me and said, you can't be snobby, and pointed at <laughs> wow. me. Wow. And I was Did, like... I mean- this is Dude, exactly how long has that lesson taken to sink in for me? Oh yes. yeah, this is exactly yeah. Adam's experience with John Paul Jones. And uh, uh, who did you ask uh, in REM about John Paul Jones? Oh yeah, I was an extra in an REM video, the Drive video. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, Where they're like course. crowd yeah, surfing. Yeah. I was one of those people in the crowd. Yeah. And the REM guys were just sort of would come and hang out and just talk to the to the extras and fans and stuff. And I asked Mike Mills because at the time I was 19 and I was throwing away all of the classic rock that I was into in high school and only about like what's new. And I don't want to listen to, you know, shit made by like these old classic rock dudes. Yeah. So I had just gotten rid of all my Zeppelin and, and hearing that John Paul Jones was on the new REM record, I was a little like, whoa, what the what the fuck is going on? And so I asked Mike Mills, like in a friendly way, but also with probably a tinge of sno- snobbery to it, I said, so what's up with John Paul Jones? 
<laughs> as if me, 19-year-old unemployed student, could commiserate uh, with him yeah, on this level was, of like so dumb and um, plus he's on their album they like him and you're he, and you're well, yeah. and you're trying to be like oh what's up with this guy <laughs> like but he also, probably sucks right exactly and also think about like a musician like mike mills a person who's at the kind of top of their craft working with john paul jones who is uh one of the few real geniuses like it was just so stupid so i think about an interaction like that thankfully uh he had no idea who i was and not until, until I, yeah until you reminded I of him told him about that conversation <laughs> and 25 now he, years ago he thinks of it anytime he sees you but <laughs> every but single I, time I, I also i don't know if i've ever, ever told this story but i had a very similar story to yours ben where um the one time i've ever run into adam sandler was uh in santa monica out on the street i was with a couple of friends who knew him because we had just done a stand-up show and um, he was coming out of a movie theater and my friends knew him and were like, hey, Adam, and we we all talk. I didn't have much to add to the conversation because I didn't know him. And they were like, so what, what did you just go see? And he goes, Corky Romano. And I, I had the same reaction you did and I kind of <laughs> rolled my eyes. I was like, Ugh, how was that? And he just smiled and he said, we laughed. <laughs> and I think about that all the time yeah. of like, oh yeah, you don't have to be snobby about stuff. Oh yeah. You can just enjoy whatever you enjoy and you don't have, I think so much of our twenties is maybe spent being that kind of a snob trying to find your place in the world and thinking, well, at least I'm better than this, even though I've, I haven't made it or whatever. Totally. It's such a, it's a real young person's um, means of gaining an identity is like bonding yeah. through negativity. It's almost yeah. like in a group, like, if you have nothing to say, like you can start bitching about someone that isn't there and everyone yeah. will be like, hey, now we're connecting, you know, whatever. Right. Yeah. But, but no, I, I, there was a lot of that that I think of with um, what Stipe had kind of mastered was moving between worlds. He would be able to hang out with, you know, indie Martians, grungy, dirty people. And then also he was like already by that point, like producing Hollywood movies and having these like big power moves kind of thing. And And for me, I think it was, it was sort of triggering because he had so clearly manifested this ability to kind of decide what his destiny was going to be as a member mm. of show business. And mm. I was so far from that. Like I'd had some certain waves of like impact, but I didn't feel in control of it at all. I mean, I still hardly do. Um, so I, I found, I, I found him a very provocative, provocative figure in that way. Another, we also talked about in excess and I was like, as an Australian kind of punk kid, like in excess was so uncool because they were like, they were almost our, like, um, just like corporate rock that we yeah. were like backing up against. And I was like, and he was talking about in excess and I was like, aren't they kind of just slick, like too slick. And he said, not kick. It's big and hairy and up your butt. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely um, just speaking of uh, uh, that's being such nice. a great way to describe that record. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will think of it now every time I listen to it. But speaking of being nostalgic about night swimming and hearing those songs, your recent album, Quarter Century Classics, um, is sort of about that in a way. At least the 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 video that you made with Jake Fogelnest, the previously aforementioned uh, Jake Fogelnest. What, which song was that that, that you we made? Did that the, for Sugar Cane for the Sun. Sugar Cane. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna play a little bit of that here underneath as a bed. Um, you you guys made a video that was that was kind of moving and really um, really cool. Where Jake had 
sort of well, you describe it. You can do it. Well, he just dug I. up all of this old squirt TV footage of us like kicking around New York, and oh, you know, because we knew cool. each other since we were sixteen, and um, and we sort of cut it all into footage of us now as like balding middle-aged men who still love music and are passionate about it. And it, it, it almost took on a like kind of like high fidelity type tone where you realize that like friendship and music and how it all goes together, especially for guys that sometimes have a hard time connecting emotionally. What we can share as fans of music is so profound and deep. And so he just made this, I thought, gorgeous video about, just really about that. Yeah, It's really cool. It's uh, the, the stuff from back in the 90s is you yeah. guys hanging out in a record store and sort yeah, of like... Yeah, other music and a knitting factory. Yeah, yeah, like p- picking out records and pointing to them and obviously like so excited about them. And then it, it intercuts with you guys today over at Jake's house, I'm assuming, or maybe yours. No, that was your at house. house, yeah. That was at your house, okay. And then pulling out kind of the same records and pointing yeah. to them and talking and to them. And still loving yeah. them, you know, but there's a yeah. degree of kind of like, um, you know, again, just coming back to this sense of like, hindsight or memory and the way you look back on yourself like it's like you can listen to the same record in a different way and still love it but you know for me songs like say say this say sonic youth the way i understood it as a 16 year old versus the way i understand it now um you know these people were older than me too i was a kid going into adult life and creation and relationships and they were already you know whatever 27 they were kids too yeah. <laughs> but but of early 30s but but it's like to revisit some of this music and still honor it but admit that you've changed is quite powerful also it's really pretty cover the yeah we should i should song. mention uh, quarter century classics is a covers record of all songs from, it seems like they're all songs from the past 25 years. Is that what yeah, the, that, they, they just all seem to be roughly 25 years old, like Arches yeah. of Loaf, Fugazi, Dinosaur Junior Built to Spill. They were just all songs I love. Breeders. Around, yeah, the Beatles. <laughs> no, like around Re- no, Breeders, years. I said not. Oh, Breeders, because okay. um, <laughs> Well, because I sort of thought about it. The reason I called it Quarter Century Classics was I thought it's weird how if this was 19. Um, 90 now and you'd said 25 years before music would have been that would have been 65 we'd have had completely shared cultural reference points whereas culture has become so splintered now that my classics are not the next person's classics and i kind of wanted to like just dig into that a little of like what is classic rock you know it's totally different for me yeah no it's a great record uh people should definitely pick it up i'm gonna fade fade this song down yeah it's really pretty Really pretty. Who do who do you sing that with? Oh, that's Juliana Barwick, who's an amazing, amazing um, artist. Yeah, great, cool. very cool. All right, so uh, uh, your first uh, REM record was "Losing My Religion." So, does that mean did you get the album that uh, it was attached to? Yeah, but what's funny is I sort of like viewed them as a little soft, you know, which is funny, ironic for me, who's basically built a career as an acoustic kind of balladeer. Like, um, <laughs> but but at the time, I viewed myself as quite hard. Um, like punk rock? And, yeah, just yeah. sort of like, it didn't, it's, you know, it had cellos on it, and it's yeah. like, it all just sounded a little, like, light to me. Yeah. Um, and it took, it, it kind of took me time to, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know, it was weird. Like, R.E.M., because they were a generation older, I mean, I had the thing where, like, I knew Kurt Cobain thought they were cool. 
So right. that to me was like a stamp of approval that like allowed them in. It was acceptable to like REM, but I still had a certain kind of maybe like a snobbery towards REM or not knowing what to do with them in my mind. Um, yeah. yeah. So you you had snobbery to REM, the the band that made this song. <laughs> you thought this wasn't hard? <laughs> I love that. Actually, I knew that record, so I must have known Green. I, okay. I must have known that record. I've sort of got it out of my mind, out of the order of my. Do you remember the first record you bought by them, or? or... Um. Yeah, I mean, I remember. I think I had this. I guess I you had probably this. had this. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, um, you're right, though. I, I remember that being a huge deal when Kurt Cobain started talking about REM and interviews and stuff. Like it really legitimize them to uh because the whole you know nirvana hit and stuff right in the middle of rem becoming this global phenomenon with like really lush quiet music and so that really whoops <laughs> thought i paused it sorry <laughs> just uh, interrupting I mean, a very tender thought yeah i mean honestly it, it's all for the best <laughs> adam would have kept talking forever um so and you're not you're actually not gonna let him finish the thought no i don't think so adam you've said it before <laughs> sure <laughs> so so um you when did you move to New York? You, uh... I guess around like, uh, well, I graduated high school in 96 and it was probably right around then, like 96, 97. And when did, uh, I mean, you, you had a record or a, a one full length with Noise Addict. Uh, no, I'd already and... made a few. I was already on my like second solo album when I moved to New York. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting time, you know, really interesting time musically. Because also like, that was I remember um OK Computer had just was just about to come out or something like that. I did not like that record at all. Really? I that record stood against um so much that I liked it. I've come to appreciate it in hindsight. <laughs> but um the theatrics of it, this I'm yeah. just trying to give you an insight into like why certain things were acceptable and some unacceptable right. in my mind. But the theatrics and the emotional extravagance of it, to me, like totally cut against what I thought indie rock was meant to be about. What what you know? did you think it was about? Was it about authenticity and like immediacy? It was like fast, cheap and out of control. You know what I mean? Like don't take too long. Don't labor over things. Um, don't polish them up too much. Uh, I mean, authentic is like a, a complicated word, but at least you couldn't make it look like you were trying too hard. And Radiohead were clearly trying really hard. And to their credit, that's why they built such an amazing body of work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, like, yeah, it's interesting because in the in the movie business, you don't really have that. Like you need to try hard in the movie yeah, yeah, business. But, but but still, it, we, we always admire the magical thing that seems to come out of nowhere. Yeah. Like right. there is a bit of like um, superstition around that. Like, you know, whether, well, yeah. Right, exactly. Adam, any thoughts on that? Well, no, I was going to ask like is it because it was like it was like a like a th a big theme like a it's it's almost like it's a yes album or yeah, something. Yeah, it was like just not cool in my mind. Yeah. Like I remember like I a friend of mine started dating Colin, the bass player, and um mm, they played Roseland. Gossip. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was really really saucy. Um and he invited me to the show at Roseland, and I just I watched it. This was right at the beginning of the OK Computer sort of cycle. And he came up after he goes, what'd you think? I was like, nah, not for me. 
<laughs> but again, this so this is the type of arrogance of um of childhood that oh, uh, that's that, great to be like, though. You know, it's like in a way, eighteen year olds are the ones who are meant to say things like that because no one in their right mind at forty would say things like that. Yeah, and <laughs> but I, also at yeah. the time, everyone was like, "This is the greatest album of all time." Like someone had to say it sucks. Yeah, well, I, <laughs> it's it's almost. I think partly. I've always disliked status quo sort of acceptance of things. Like sometimes there'll be a movie that I know is going to be amazing, but I feel like I don't even have the psychic space to watch it because I've got everyone's opinions and it makes me hate it. Honestly, Tiger King was like that for me because uh, Cool Ops started and was like, everyone's talking about Tiger King, which immediately was like, made me go, eh. And then I looked at it and it was, I think, eight hours long or something. (laughs) I was like, I don't have eight hours to put into watching something that people are talking about for these two weeks, you know? Just I mean, so I it, can contribute to like with one yeah. funny tweet. So yeah. I, yeah. So I, I walked through the room a couple of times. I got the sense of like, it's about a dude who owns a zoo and he sings and he's crazy. I was like, yeah, I get Tiger King. But um, yeah. So You're so I, cool, Scott. <laughs> so, oh okay, computer, it was the Tiger King of the 90s, just for yeah. people who weren't alive back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really, um, it's hard to, um, I mean, it's weird. It's, I know this podcast is not about Radiohead, but it could Stipe be. Wait a minute, wait a minute. really into Radiohead, we, you know? Are we, like, is, this, is this an episode of Are You Talking Radiohead to me? <laughs> sure. Welcome to Are You Talking About Radiohead to Me. This is Scott. And this is Scott. And our guest for today's show, look, this is the show where we talk about Radiohead, obviously. You brought in a real expert, someone who didn't like them. Well, came to for our first episode, <laughs> what better guest could we get than someone who did not like them? Please welcome to the show, Ben Lee. I'm like the least qualified expert. When did um, you When did you like start liking Radiohead? When I liked Radiohead when Kid A came out. And yeah. when they did Idiotech on SNL. SNL yes. I that version like, of okay, Idiotech. I get it. Was, because that was I, yeah. punk to me. That felt punk. Like it, 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 it was more. It was, min- was it was minimalist. It yeah. was, but, uh, and then. And it was I re- unhinged. Yeah. I remember, yeah. I remember sort of uh, listening to it on Kid A and being like, yeah, this is okay. And then when I saw that SNL uh, uh, performance and I remember it very vividly, I was in Atlanta. Uh, we were making the Mr. Show movie. And I was alone in my hotel room, no one to talk to. Bob and David um, were filming, and I was not allowed on the set any, any longer. <laughs> and and just seeing that and being blown away by the the passion and what they did to transcend the album version of it was amazing. And another band that I verbally disparaged in front of Michael Stein <laughs> because they played the same night as me in New York. And I, I saw Michael Stipe the next night. He said, sorry, we I, we would have come to your show, but Radiohead were playing. As if oh. it was like some blasphemous thing to miss a Radiohead show. And <laughs> right. I was so insulted. I was like, Radiohead? Again, like with the eye rolls of the 18-year-olds. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, are they actually that good? Like, I just was being straight ahead. And he said, it's all about when Tom sings. He opens his mouth and a light comes through his head. And I was like, okay, wow. that's pretty cool. I want someone Did, to say that about me. No one's telling me I open my mouth and a light comes through my head. Would yeah. would he come up with these beforehand, do you think? Or, <laughs> w- or was this uh, off the cuff for Stipe? Well, they were almost like Paris is burning, like bitchy slapdowns. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> right. that, 
he kind of is like really he's really good with words another great reveal <laughs> right yeah oh reveal is this an episode of are you talking rem re me uh, yeah i think i think it is Um, from Chronic to Collapse, this is Are You Talking R.E.M. Re.Me? The comprehensive and encyclopedia compendium of all things R.E.M. This is good rock and roll uh, music. Welcome. I guess this is a different episode within our previous episode. Well, it's within the Radiohead episode, actually. Yeah, so we're within a different show. But with, uh, I'm Scott. This is Scott, obviously. And our guest today is Ben Lee. And we're talking Reveal. Uh... <laughs> The REM album, of course. Uh, 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 you ever heard that one? <laughs> <laughs> I never listened to Reveal. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> All right. So we're back in the Radiohead podcast. So did, did you ever meet... Uh, Tom, uh, what's his name? Tom Jones? Tom Green? What's <laughs> Tom, Tom York. I don't think i did i heard he's very grumpy really yeah <laughs> is he is he do you okay do you think that he could reboot the grumpy old men franchise with another like with neil young would with that marky, be fun or marky smith from the fall if he was still around that would be were he still to be grumpy here old. yes yeah. or marky mark i'll take him too there marky mark and tom york marky mark well, playing marky smith yeah or we can call him marky york just rebooting the Grumpy Old Man franchise, or at least what was that one where they were on a boat, Adam? I think uh, out out to sea. Out to sea. Thank you. I think we could just. I think someone can make the poster with Tom York and who is the other one? Either Mark E. Smith or Marky Mark, or Neil Young. What? How about the four of them? Just All put the of four them. of them on a boat. I went to a tiny Radiohead acoustic performance, some weird like music industry type thing. And it was just Tom and is the guy is like the really pretty one with a long Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. Yeah. Um, they were playing together. It was, it was gorgeous. It was really, really nice, but there was a sound issue. And um, Tom just put down his guitar in the middle of the song and went fix it chaps and walked off stage. <laughs> and I was like, wow, Whoa. I want to be able to do that. That, that was, well, it was so yeah. badass. It was Whoa. so confident. That's how I treat Engineer Ryan, by the way. <laughs> Fix it, chap. Um, and, and then, then he, you then walk out, it. walk out of your house, <laughs> out of my house, and into the COVID nineteen yeah. air, <laughs> and I immediately get sick and die. All right, well, that was another episode of uh, Are You Talking Radiohead? Re me. We'll see you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Good app. Oh yeah, I mean, Some good shit. Long, those guys talk about. I mean, we look. We've been getting requests to do that show for a long time. So to have the first episode be premiered <laughs> like this, this is incredible. Yeah. It's organic. It truly, truly <laughs> is. So, um, any other REM uh, memories, Ben? Um, REM memories. Uh, there was. Uh, yeah, I guess I've got uh, a couple more that came to mind, and they all the. There's just one more that was like a real wrist slap from Michael Stipe. And again, I say all I these love with, these wrists. I say these with gratitude. Like yeah. these are like these were yes. part of my learning experience about being a human being. 
like not being an 18 year old idiot who, cause like, I just thought I saw it as like show business as kind of like this ride that I would like take for a little bit and then it would crash and burn and go onto other things. I didn't look at it as like, like these were humans that I would know, you know, potentially. Right. Right. So I remember this one very weird night, um, at, uh, oh, I don't even know. This story is so bizarrely name droppy and maybe not that interesting. But we were hey, at, do you, you're talking. Do you to, you're right in our wheelhouse. <laughs> okay. Honestly, do you remember Spy Bar? Did you guys ever go to Spy Bar? I think I went once. Yeah. Where is that? So it was like a nightclub downtown in New York. It was yeah. like a very. Oh cool, no! Then I never. Then I, think okay. I remember that. Yeah. So I was sitting um, on these couches with Stipe, Winona Ryder, and Courtney Love, and um, this was. Uh, prime just, like late 90s early prime, 2000s prime, just oh, golden yeah. just, you know really i did it i was there and um <laughs> and i remember winona saying something like uh oh, i won't say who the artist is oh she well she said i never tell someone i like their work when i don't and i said well actually remember you told that guy x i'm not gonna say who that was you told x i liked his band and i really don't <laughs> so you tell her and uh and michael said just looked at me and he said we don't do that I was like, whoa, damn, this is real social etiquette class. Because I'd literally thrown someone under the bus who was sitting in, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know if your listeners actually care about this stuff, but this is to me about how you become a human being in a community of, with some level of dignity to it. Why, sure. why do you think that you didn't have the basic uh, social graces, Ben? Is it because you uh, got famous so early? I, it, it, it's more than that. It was like, <laughs> it, it, was, it was more that I came from a like search and destroy mentality rather than like respect. Like, like my whole ethos was like, see who you could piss off yeah. rather than see who you could befriend. Like I just sort of, a mark of success of a great night was if you did something totally humiliating that um, made someone question your sanity, I guess. You know, it was just how <laughs> this my, this my late teens, early 20s. But then it all sort of like, um, it all sort of like wrapped up with, um, I just, I'm say, it's going like this because I actually made a list of these things because I was like, I haven't thought about them in so long. Oh, that's great. But I remember the night, um, as I was starting to mature through this period and it was like kind of like humiliating that every time I interacted with Michael Stipe, I'd come away feeling really bad about myself with good reason. <laughs> um, so I just, um, I was, and then my dad got sick and I kind of, um, it seemed like he was going to die and he did, he did end up dying. And it was, um, Michael Stipe used to throw this um, Christmas party every year with, um, uh, I think Helena Christensen and Julie Panabianco, they do this at Casa La Femme. Do you remember? Yeah, uh, they have this restaurant. They do a I went Christmas one year, party. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so um, and it was really weird because, especially around my dad's death, I guess it was sort of when I started to actually grow up and have real human feelings yeah. and not just try and be this sort of, what do you call it? Like infant terrible or whatever it is, you know, like yeah. just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> just like a, a nightmare human being. And, um, we, we pronounce it uh, enfant, enfant terrible. Enfant terrible. All right, there you go. Gazoo um, so <laughs> That was a real, that Burn. was a new Scott Ackerman slap on the wrist. Um, <laughs> yes. You'll and, walk um, away from this feeling like a terrible human being. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember I saw, I saw Michael in the corner. He was talking to Bono. And, um, and I, That's I him in the up, corner. Yes, standing in the corner of this party. And uh, Bono was going in and kept, we're going out the back door. I remember that clearly. And, um, and I said, to Michael, uh, I've I've got to I'm gonna I've got to leave. I'm getting up early. I'm flying back. My dad's really sick. Um, 
and I'm going to go back and be with him in Australia. I'm, I'm concerned he's going to die. And from Michael, who's someone I thought didn't even particularly like me, he just looked at me and said, I'll include him in my prayers. And it was such a sweet thing to say. Um, and that might be actually the last time I bumped into him. Wow. Um, hmm. So it's funny. There's a whole arc in terms of my own, like the heartbreak of being a young person around my interactions with Michael Stipe in you. Yeah. You know? Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I wonder That's if you really interesting. Because on one hand, <laughs> on one hand, I'm so glad when I was that age, I wasn't around uh, Michael Stipe or any like influential figure like that because I would have uh, embarrassed myself. But in a way, it's you, like you said, like it's really great that you did because you, looking back, you learned so much. There were all these like really valuable lessons and stuff. Yeah, I mean, they look, they're the same lessons you would learn through probably like interacting at college and meeting professors you admired. You know, right. My, right. My he's, he's sort of, he's kind of the professor of yeah. music in a way. Like the way, he, honestly, the way he sort of would reach out to younger artists and befriend them and sort of teach them. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he, you're maybe his teacher's assistant. I think uh, we all, I think like, um, you know, us three say like um, the paths we have taken in uh, show business have been, I, I imagine for you guys also, it seems like that from outside, very influenced by the way Michael Stipe rode his relationship to the underground and the mainstream and wanted to be in multiple conversations at once. And I think that he was the first artist that I saw that actually did that successfully. And in that way, I think none of us would have kind of the types of careers we've aspired to have without the influence of someone like him. Mm. That's interesting. I've, I've mainly tried to stick to the mainstream with my <laughs> art, um, but uh, I can see how Adam may be, uh, you do one for you and one for them, right? Uh, yeah, I do one for me, one for them. And then one for them, and then one for them, and then I do some for no one as well. I think <laughs> right. I've ended Most up doing of a few of those. No one, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, those are amazing stories. Yeah, uh, and and what what an, an incredible experience! I'm sure uh, Adam and I have had those types of experiences with um, you know various people. I I with people in comedy, um, and Adam with whatever he does, and. Um, I think that, uh, that that's just incredible to be and and for you to be an artist that young and and to still uh, you know not only be doing it but to be so relevant is incredible. Uh, and I, I would imagine that you are in that role for younger artists yourself at this point. Well, I've actually felt at times um, I felt that bristly energy from young artists who. I relate to what they're doing. Like I remember there was this kind of someone in sort of a cool band in Australia who had gotten side of stage passes when I was playing a show or something. And he was sitting there with his legs stretched out, like he leaned against the wall while I was playing. And I sort of like was, you know, moving, dancing around the stage. And I felt someone kick me and I looked down and there was this kid. He's just like this punk kid, like totally interfering what? in my show. Like, casually <laughs> kicking me nice. and i just it was when i sort of realized that like 
oh yeah, you you know, it's that old. You don't it's know. It's a truism. It's like first you throw stones at glass houses, then you become a glass house. Like you got to go on the receiving end of that type of arrogance yeah. if you're going to give it out as a young person. And then as a parent, you learn to like, oh man, you're going to receive the whole thing. You know, whatever it was you gave, you're going to get it. <laughs> Amazing. Just yesterday, um, my son- Wait a minute. Is this an episode of Just Yesterday? Yeah, it is. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Just Yesterday. This is Scott. Oh, this is Scott. And we're talking about things that happened uh, not too long ago. In fact, just yesterday. Yeah, this, coincidentally, this just happened yesterday, the Whoa. thing I was going to talk about. That's right within our time period. So this is perfect for this show. Well, I better hurry up before it's tomorrow because <laughs> we don't have that show yet. <laughs> you son of a bitch. How do you um, do it? No, but just yesterday, my son w went to make a, a microwave macaroni and cheese, right? And we were gone. We had gone grocery shopping, so he was doing this at home. And he put it in, but hit a wrong button or something, and it came out, and it was like still partially frozen. And so he he was just like, oh, okay. And he just threw it in the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> and, and when we got home, he told us, he's like, you know, this thing, something with the microwave was messed up. So I, I had to throw it away. <laughs> and we were like, wait, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? So like, yeah, you just don't, you, and then it was like, why didn't you just cook it more? And he's like, I don't know. So you just don't you just grow up and you figure shit out. Oh, man, that is so much funnier than anything that happened to me just yesterday. <laughs> um, but so that's that's going to wrap it up for this episode. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Good app for the yeah. first app. Really yeah, good. It seemed bad. like it was less about things that happened yesterday than you wanting to talk shit about your kid. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a whole other show we could start. <laughs> yeah. um, you, but speaking of family, Ben, how are you doing during the quarantine? Everything going on? You're undoubtedly you're holed up with your family. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty weird, but it's I, I've got to say there is there is good stuff happening in it. Um. I am seeing a refinement of ideas by being forced into sort of weird creative uh, uh, challenges. You know what I mean? Like it's not as easy to move forward with all the things we were previously planning and our ways of doing things. And it's almost like there's a kind of purification. Like I really liked this. There was a philosopher called um, Gurdjieff who used to pick up and move to countries where they were having political uprisings and upheaval. Because he believed that, like, in those stressful times of social change, you actually found something akin to, you know, personal truth. Hmm. And um, I, I see something like that happening. It is weird. It's like, um, I don't want to be too, uh, I don't want to, like, be premature, like, make a big statement about this. But there is something about, I'm noticing a very subtle form of insecurity I've had about my place in the world um, creatively like forever, you know, I'm 20, I'm like 27 years into my career and I still have 
big questions gnawing at me about does what I do have value and is it useful? Is it important? I mean, we all just want to contribute things of value, you know, and there's been something about seeing the way my audience has turned to my music and can taken comfort in it Hmm. that I have a feeling it's like it's sort of put that to rest. Like we don't all get to make music that people want to listen to every day. Like if you make music that's like, hey, let's go to the club and party, that's music that's going to be like used every day by people. These are my make, favorite songs, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But if you make music that maybe is about connecting in harder times and about vulnerability, maybe I'm realizing people don't turn to that every day, but when they do turn to it, they need it and there's value in it. So there's something profound that I've been experiencing as an artist just by kind of living this out. Amazing. That's cool. And who who was the philosopher? Oh, that was Gurdjieff. <laughs> I stole Adam's joke. Wait, I it's all, it's it. still <laughs> funny. It's still it's still good. Um, that well, I, I gotta say, Ben, you're far too smart to be on this show. Um, you you have so many uh, interesting things to say. Um, we are slight slightly running out of time, but we do have time. You you uh, were kind enough to uh, say that you would do a, a live version of an REM song here on the show. Yeah. Yeah. So like a week or two ago was REM's 40th anniversary of them forming. And um, I just tweeted out like, oh, Night Swimming, man, that song, that, that, that song is like so meaningful, meaningful to me. I remember my friend Matthew, he edited together. He went to a flea market in New York and he bought, you know, you could sometimes find people's old family movies like on Super yeah. 8 or something. Yeah. And he, found them and they were footage of someone like in the Catskills or like like families in black and white jumping off piers and things and he edited it together to night swimming and um it was my that was the moment where I understood that song um and it was so beautiful and anyway I, I just tweeted about that and I was blown away by the amount of people who came back and were like that's my favorite REM song wow. that song changed my life it's a song I turned to it's a song I'd forgotten it's like and, and so I just um I covered it and it was, it was weirdly like, it's one of those songs that I don't think, was it like a, even a single? I'm not sure if that was. Eventually. It, yeah, yeah, eventually. Yeah. Eventually. I think it was like the fourth or fifth single from that. But it was not what you'd call like one of their sort of big world domination no. hits, but it is a song that has lasted in sort of the canon of great songs yeah. in cultural memory. And um, it's just, it's just was a joy to like reconnect with it. And those songs kind of linger under the surface, I think until, until you need them. That's right. great. And a song that I did not hear the REM version of first, I heard uh, previous guest April Richardson's husband do it first with his band Gene. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's an REM song. And then I investigated the REM song because I was in a period where I didn't really wasn't into REM anymore. But I heard his version of that song and I was like, wow, what a beautiful song. And I went back and, and really got into Automatic for the People because of it. Oh, it's so good. And it's so complex, the story he tells through the lyrics. Yeah. And it's just it's just gorgeous. Yeah, so you are, uh, and you're going to do, uh, essentially you covered this, you put it up on Instagram, was that yeah, right? Yeah, I put or? it up on Instagram, it was just for fun, but people really responded, so I'll play it for you guys. That's incredible. Awesome. So That's uh, uh, are you all set up, everything uh, ready to go here? I'm ready to go. All right, this is Ben Lee, the, what a treat. Uh, we're going to hear REM's Night Swimming, uh, Ben Lee 2020 quarantine version is, it, is that the appropriate amount of yeah, parentheticals? Yeah, that's in parentheses, but yeah, for okay, sure. Okay, great. All right, here we go, Ben. Uh, this is Night Swimming. 
night swimming deserves a quiet night. on the dashboard taken years ago turn around backwards so the windshield shows every street light reveals the picture in reverse still it's so much clearer I forgot my shirt at the water's edge moon is low tonight Night swimming deserves a quiet night I'm not sure all these people understand it's not like years ago The fear of getting caught Of recklessness and water They cannot see me naked These things they go away Replaced by every day Night swimming Remembering that night September's coming soon I'm pining for the moon And what if there were two Side by side in orbit Around the fairest sun That bright tide forever drum Could not describe night swimming I thought I knew you You I cannot judge You I thought you knew me This one laughing quietly Underneath my breath Night swimming Photograph reflects every street light a reminder. Night swimming deserves a quiet night. Deserves a quiet night. Ah, oh, incredible. What a what a performance. That's Adam, what do you think? That was beautiful. Thank you so much, Ben. I think uh, awesome. I think yeah. better than the original. Uh, that's a big, big call. By, Something by I would far. have said at 18 years old, but not today. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Ben, thank you so much for being on the show. It means uh, a lot to uh, finally get to talk to you. And, uh, you know, I I, uh, I do believe your music uh, is a salve uh, during these troubled times. So I would encourage listeners to go check out your discography. Is there a certain... Uh, record of yours that you would say to people like, oh, check out this one if you've never heard what I do? No, not particularly. I can't. It's like, you know, it's such a long 
It's, it, I've been making records for so long and I have some people who are so passionate about different phases of my career and believe that was the only time I was good and the rest <laughs> of the times are terrible that I couldn't even, I can't even begin to think like that. You do go through a lot of different styles. Your your early records are a kind of acoustic troubadour uh, stuff produced by, your first one was produced by Brad Wood, who yeah, did yeah. his fairs and... Uh, and then you you added synthesizers into the mix and then uh, uh, started kind of writing more upbeat songs at a certain point. And uh, really, uh, so you, you can find something for any mood you're in in the discography of Ben Lee. So what I would suggest is to buy all of his records <laughs> and listen to the first 20 seconds of each one. And if you're not into it, go, nope, throw it into the trash. There will eventually be one that you enjoy and just listen to uh, the rest of that. Ben, thank you so much for being here. Uh, quite a pleasure. And Adam, thank you so much for uh, uh, doing another episode with me. Are we, are we uh, going to do more? Maybe. Maybe we have a surprise coming up. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I have no idea. It's so hard to get you to text me back. <laughs> okay, I, great. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Um, we are going to... Uh, that's going to be it for this episode. So until next time, we hope that you have found what you're looking for. Bye. This here.